Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast for Saturday, July 10th, 2021, year four. What's going on? How are you? My name is Quinn. I am the writer, creator, producer, director, and showrunner of this hallowed podcast. Part of the Beantown Podcast multimedia conglomerate. I think in the U.S. you got... We're, we're talking big dogs. You got, uh, you got, you know, like Ted Turner, and you got Sony and Fox, and then you got, you know, I'd say coming in at number four, Beantown Podcast Media, Beantown Beantown Media. We, we're gonna need to snap your name. Something that combines the power and prestige of a uh, Warner Brothers with the sleek, elegant sexiness of uh, Margot Robbie, if you will. Not that she really has much to do with multimedia conglomerates, but it's just kind of who I thought of. Kind of on a big Australia kick. Not actually. Uh, did it, Did anyone listening to this ever see that movie? Was it just called Australia? What... Talk about a creative title for a film. Um, that I don't really remember anything about that film. I'm looking it up right now. I think it was Hugh Jackman, and I don't recall much else. I never saw it. Let's see. Australia is a 2008 adventure drama film. Ooh, kind of like my life. Add, add suspense, erotica, and... Uh, th- oh, that would be good. Uh, and you'd have the perfect Quinn film. Oh, uh, I, I've heard of this director, and I don't know how to say his name. Baz Luhrmann? Lerman, Something like that. He did uh, Moulin Rouge, Romeo and Juliet, I think the Claire Danes one, The Great Gatsby. I don't know how to say his name. I apologize for butchering it. I don't think I've ever actually seen one of his films, though, to be honest. I never saw Moulin Rouge. I'm a huge Ewan McGregor fan. Never seen it. Never saw The Great Gatsby. Never saw Romeo and Juliet, uh, and I'm not too worried about it. Uh, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. Okay. It's a character story set between 1939 and 1942 against a dramatized backdrop of events across northern Australia at the time, such as the bombing of Darwin. Oh, I didn't know Darwin got bombed. Let's click on that hyperlink. We could have a whole show here today that's just Quinn clicks on hyperlinks. May, this, let, let's just get this out of the way, and, and it will be the educational portion of today's program. If there are any kids listening, you know, and they have a short attention span, you can just have them listen to this first five minutes, and they'll learn about Australian directors and uh, a little bit, little bit of World War II history. I will mention that listener discretion while we're talking about kids here, is advised when you're listening to the Beantown Podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some language. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible. Although, I'll say this. While we're in the Eastern Hemisphere, we mentioned this last week on the show, but it it quite literally was buried, like Ryan Reynolds. I got that email from whatever podcast, you know, aggregate site last week. Carlos, his name was. Yours truly, the new king 
of comedy in Pakistan. I'm not lying. If you didn't listen all the way to the end last week or you missed last week's episode, I am now, my podcast is the 104th ranked comedy podcast in Pakistan. And it's silly and it's a joke. It's not actually a joke like that. Actually, I actually got an email saying it, but it's kind of jokey. But think of how far we, we have come. I started this show on the third floor. I don't even remember what what unit did I live in in Baltimore. 817 St. Paul Street, apartment 306, I think. Started this show in a tiny studio, a 400-square-foot studio in Baltimore, Maryland, sitting in a flower chair with no vision, just a couple guest interviews and the strong charisma and flowing locks of the host with the most, Quinn David Furness, and just a, just a boy with a dream back in 2018. And here we are now, 104th ranked podcast in Pakistan, okay? We are... We are, are, I am coming for that top spot. And then we're going to move on to Africa. And it's going to spread like wildfire there. But back to, let's, let's, I'm actually learning with you all as you all are learning. um, Because I've never heard of this before. You know, we, in America, we don't learn a lot about Australia or, or Australian history outside of like, I feel that Americans' general perception or knowledge of Australia comes down to Nicole Kidman and Finding Nemo. And we know that they got all their, like half of their animals died two years ago in the wildfires, the bushfires, and Steve Irwin, okay? I would say outside of that, we don't have much knowledge of Australia. Certainly not. 80 years ago, the bombing of Darwin, also known as the Battle of Darwin, on 19th February 1942, was the largest single attack ever mounted by a foreign power on Australia. On that day, 242 Japanese aircraft in two separate raids attacked the town, ships in Darwin's harbor, and the town's two airfields in an attempt to prevent the Allies from using them as bases to contest the invasion of Timor and Java during World War II. Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, let's oh, let's let's get to some uh, casualties here. I love I love the the military term belligerence, referring to the nations that participate in the skirmish. Belligerence, B E L L I G E R E N T S. Hey, do you see that uh, that middle schooler from Louisiana won the Scripps National Spelling Bee? First ever African American student to win that was pretty neat let oh commanders and leaders okay we got four from australia david vj blake from uh some flag i don't recognize hang on who what flag is this air chief marshal the guy's name is frederick sugar which sounds very german maybe it's the flag of the I don't know what it is. The Royal Australian Air Force? Why wouldn't it just be the Australian flag? Not sure. It's kind of got a cool, like, it's a United Kingdom-related flag. So when I clicked on the icon, it, it brought me to the UK's Wikipedia page. But it's it's like uh, like a baby blue background with the whatever the, like, classic Britain, like, red and white 
symbol is in the upper left-hand corner. Anyways, the Japanese leaders Chuichi Nagumo and Mitsuo Fuchida. Fuchida. Uh, casualties and losses, 236 killed on the, uh, in the white side, two killed for the Japanese. Hey, not bad. Only one prisoner of war, one Japanese prisoner of war in this entire thing. Looks like, kind of sounds like the Japanese kicked ass, but I don't know. Maybe it didn't take. Anyways, now you know that in 1942, the, the Australian town of Darwin was bombed. And you are learning so much on today's Bean Tom podcast. We're just, there, there isn't a huge central theme uh, or power rankings or anything going on today. It's a little, little uh, you know, re, in kind of classic Beantown fashion, a little recap of this past week. Got a couple things to share. And then uh, we're, we're, we're going to keep it short. And I know that's another iconic thing to say at the start of an episode. And then you get 40 minutes later and you're like, bullshit. But no, I actually, because I just am, uh, I, I woke up this morning. It's a Saturday, so it's my long run day. And I, I knew that like any other Saturday morning in the summer, at least, I was going to try to wake up. Last night, I knew I was going to wake up early today. You know, usually this time of year, July, granted, it's not that hot today, but typically I, I try to be up by five or so. You know, I want to leave at some point in the 5 a.m. hour uh, anytime before six works so that I can be back. If you're back by like eight, if you're done running by eight, then you usually don't have to worry unless you're in just at a excruciating heat wave. You don't have to worry about the heat being a huge issue. Obviously, the earlier, earlier you go out, the cooler it is generally. More importantly, you avoid the sun. So yada, yada, yada. Everyone knows this. I wake up this morning and for whatever reason, I wasn't even going that hard last night. I went to the Laugh Factory, which we're going to talk about towards the end of this program, because I got some thoughts. And as the 104th ranked podcaster in Pakistan, I feel suddenly that I have a platform to provide my comments and not so constructive feedback. I could be constructive, but it would take longer. Um. But man, I, I to to move ahead with this story here, which is all just to set up why the podcast is not going to be long today. So it, it's going to be like a two minute setup process to talk about why it's going to be a short episode. Anyways, alarm goes off. It's like five fifteen, and man, I most most of the time when my alarm goes off for these early Saturday morning runs, it's like uh. This stinks, but I'm going to do it. Like, if I don't do it, it's not going to happen because it's going to be, it's physically just, like, not going to be possible if it gets hot or it's sunny, etc. But today, I think I relied on the knowledge that I knew today was going to be relatively overcast and not getting any higher than, like, 75 degrees outside. And I totally just slammed that snooze button into oblivion. I didn't wake up till, like, 8. 7.45.8, and at that point I was like, because I ran 16 last weekend, and I was just like, I'm still going to go out, but I'll probably just try to do like a 10K, because I'm really just not feeling it. I don't know, I, I, I wasn't drunk last night, I probably had four or five drinks throughout the course of the evening from literally like 5 o'clock to 10 o'clock, um, but I was just like, eh, I am not... For whatever reason, body just wasn't into it. So I go out, 
I leave at about 8.30, something like that. And uh, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm going north on the lakefront path, thinking, yeah, we'll just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Next thing I know, I've run a, a half marathon. And it was totally, you know, if I'm feeling good these days where I'm at with my conditioning, a half marathon on a Saturday when you take the day off before on a Friday, it's I can usually knock it out, like, without feeling it too much. Today was not that way. Boy, I don't know if it was the humidity or what, because it's, it's, you know, mostly overcast and windy, but not so windy that it's debilitating, more so windy in that it refreshes you and cools you off. But yeah, the last, uh, last mile and a half or so, I was just, dra- felt like I was dragging ass. I was still running, you know, like 8.30, something like that. I'm always, always proud of myself. And this, this metric really doesn't mean much of anything because it's not like I'm running against other people, but it's just kind of a, something I do in my head to keep me sane. Um, I I got today it actually happened once. I got passed by one runner right at the top of the lakefront path, literally between Bryn Mawr and the end. Uh, but last week when I ran my 16 miles, I went you know diversity up to end of the path, back down south, down to uh, uh, North Ave. And then back home. Didn't get past once. I was really proud of myself. And today it might even be a bigger feat because, you know, usually I'm out there at 6 a.m. You got the whole earth to yourself, more or less. Today, um, you know, not being out there till 8 o'clock, 8.39, whenever I left, it was, uh, you know, it was very crowded, as you might expect. All this is to say, even though I only ran 13 and change today, which is still a lot, but not as much as I will do sometimes. I'm just like feeling, I don't know if it's the overcastness or what, just kind of like, yeah. The coffee didn't really bring my, my energy levels up. I'm still actually drinking it. I've been having a lot of iced coffee lately. And I do this thing, which is not even a thing, but just where it'll take me like three hours to drink it. I just take a lot of little sips. And next thing I know, and it happens during, you know, when I'm working too, because I'll pour it at nine o'clock. And next thing I know, I'm like getting ready. I usually have a, a, a meeting or an info, info session at noon. And I'm like just finishing it as I'm getting ready for the info session. Then I'm like, I should brush my teeth. But then I run out of time because I have to work. So, Fourth of July was Monday. And we were out in the suburbs, out in Burbank. We went to the Burbank Water Park, I think is what it's called, BWP, which (laughs) is just like a very stereotypical suburban public pool experience. You got this pretty small pool with, you know, diving boards in one end, and it's just, (laughs) I, I will say this, and I'm not a, I'm not very experienced when it comes to public pools because we had a, a above ground pool growing up in our backyard and we would you know we would go swim in public pools but it'd be you know swimming laps and stuff as part of club swimming there wasn't a lot of general mingling going on so this was a relatively new experience for me 
This was the exact opposite of the Punta Cana pool experience where there's like seven pools and no kids. And you pretty much, if you want, you could go find a pool where there's nobody in there and you could just swim or stand and drink. This, <laughs> the Burbank Water Park is a, is, a, is a slightly different experience. Not that I was expecting it to be anything different uh, or anything less than that, but... Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got to hand it to them. Every hour, top of the hour, for about 15 minutes, they do adult swim, which is where the pool goes from a million little kids and a million adults to just one million adults, which gives you a little bit more space. But <laughs> you know, you got you got masks floating in the pool. Uh, you got uh, band aids. Always a classic. At any given point in time, I would have been satisfied if the chlorine and urine split was 51% or higher chlorine. <laughs> and then you come out and it's so, like, there's no deck space. It's just just very crowded. And so you got beach towels on the grass and there's ants everywhere and stuff. And not, not complaining or anything. And, and shout out to... Uh, uh, Betty Ramos for paying our entry fees. It was very kind, very generous, and I had a good time. It's just a, it's just a fun, classic, suburban American experience that I don't typically have. Um, <laughs> the best part is when Adult Swim ends slowly throughout the like 15 minutes, so the kids aren't allowed in the pool, and they slowly start to creep towards the edge. It kind of feels like a horror film. Like they should have. Definitely should have had the Jaws soundtrack playing over the last five minutes, at least, of Adult Swim. And uh, you get you see all the lifeguards. They're coming back. They stand up, or they, they climb the ladder into their little chairs. They do their little head bob scan. And then three, two, one, big whistle blow, like the end of a soccer match or something. And just a, a stampede of small children reminiscent of uh the whatever the water buffaloes in lion king do that do the stampede what what kind of animals are it are are they i don't recall i have not seen the lion king in a while the classic scene spoilers ahead where mufasa james earl jones bites the dust anyways a, a, a classic American experience. That wasn't actually that was the that was Monday. That was the fifth of July, but it was a, a federal holiday, so we do that. Come back, busy week of work, and this was fun. So I've been in this apartment for about a month and a half now, and. Well, this was what Thursday. I'm trying to get my days straight here. I think it was Thursday, right? I can't even. I can't even. It was Wednesday or Thursday. I'm trying to remember what I did. Oh no, it was it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. I I'm working. It's the afternoon, and I I'm having a pretty normal work from home schedule which is you know only only a couple weeks left of that rest in peace gone too soon so i go out for my run i leave at like 
four o'clock, which is what I usually try to do. That way I can like have a full work day, go for a run, come back, shower up, get dinner going, do whatever I'm doing that night, whatever. It's my routine. And unfortunately, it's going to be gone very soon, which is too bad. I come back and I haven't been super vocal yet on the podcast about my just total disdain for this apartment, but I, man, I, I just, this was e- easily my worst apartment I've ever had um, for a whole variety of reasons. And I don't want to be super negative and spend a lot of time talking about that. We'll, we'll, we'll be here for another 10 months. Okay. So lots of time to talk about this awesome place, but I come back and I got no water, which is just great because not only there is the obvious thing, like water is great to drink. Like I love doing that after running, you know, five miles, six miles in July. Like I'm a big fan of, of being able to drink water. That's number one. Number two, I was all of a sudden in this like really rough situation or just tight situation. I was supposed to get out to Wicker Park by like seven seven thirty something to meet some friends for drinks, although I didn't end up drinking, but just to hang out. And so I get back from this run, and it's you know five o'clock, five fifteen, and I'm still trying to shower, drink some water, make supper, and then head out. But all of a sudden, I got no water, and so I can't shower, and I'm just dripping with sweat. And you could be like, well, just, you know, go first, go find some water, like go to the store or something, buy something. Okay. Yeah, I could, I could do that. But I'm just like, I'm trying to be here to figure out what's going on. Right. No notice. There's, you know, no mail that says, you know, water's getting shut off. No signage, no emails, no phone calls, no texts, whatever. So I text, first I text our, our handyman. Got a general handyman for the building uh, or for the, the um, whatever you want to call it, collection of units, apartment complex, I guess, although it's not a traditional complex. Anyways, I texted him, and I never actually ended up hearing back from him, although I learned what he was doing later. I called my landlord, nothing. And I'm just, like, sitting here in my apartment. It's, like, 5.30 on a Wednesday. I've got stuff I'm trying to do, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, what, like, I, I can't, I'm very thirsty. I would really love to take a shower because I'm just dripping with sweat. Like, what do I do? I feel felt very handcuffed. Eventually, probably around 545, 550, my landlord calls me back. And she's this 75-year-old Greek woman. And I actually just got, um, I know she's capable of communicating things by print. She doesn't email, Okay. But she, we, we talk on the phone, but she can also communicate things via paper because she literally, on Friday, yesterday, stuck a thing through my mail slot as a sheet of paper saying, announcing to all tenants that she is going to be on vacation from this upcoming week in July through mid-September. So she's going to be gone for two months on vacation. And I just, I, I can't say anything else. I'm jealous. Okay, I hope, I assume she's going to Greece. I don't know. Maybe Arkansas. Hope you have a great time. So she could have, you know, announced. I I found out that our our handyman, Raphael, is apparently 
replacing someone's hot water heater, and that necessitated shutting off water for the entire building. I don't know how any of this stuff works, whatever. I, I, I don't mind having my water shut off. And this isn't like a big corporate like deal where you bring in people to do it overnight when everyone's asleep. Like I, I get it. You're trying to do it like during normal working hours because Raphael is just like one person who's managing this entire building. I get it. Okay. But I'm talking to my landlord on the phone. She's like, oh, yeah, we're replacing a hot water heater. Like has to be done. It was an emergency. Raphael told me that uh that he let every resident know and i was like well that's not <laughs> like no and i get that it's an emergency but how hard would it be to print something and like stick it in people's mailboxes and i don't know the le- the, the legality of this and i'm not that upset the water came on at about I don't know, 6.45. So it's not as if it was like off all day or something like that. It just happened to be very inconvenient timing for me. And at the end of the day, I really wouldn't mind if the water was off for, you know, 90 minutes, two hours, whatever it was. But having some heads up would have been great because then I wouldn't have gone for a run right then, knowing I would have had to wait super long to shower. Uh, I also would have filled up some water more, more importantly, before I ran, because, like, I like to drink water and be hydrated. So just uh, potentially a preview of uh, fun things to come in this APT. Who knows? There, I mean, between the smoke smell, this weird backsplash thing that they said was going to be installed before I moved in, and it's still sitting on my fireplace mantle... Like, what, what, you expect me to do it? What, like, what's going on there? Um, my great aunt's problem, which could be a whole other podcast, but it's just, uh, it's been rough so far. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the sponsors, then I'm going to just briefly talk through my trip to the Laugh Factory, and then I'm going to call it a day. Um, shout out to Home Pride Oregon. It is Central Oregon's premier home inspection service provider with services including things like i'm just reading or uh, talking through this off the top of my head phone is away from me right now uh heating and cooling roofing plumbing and so much more if you need a safe certified home inspector that you can trust and you don't want to pay the big guys the big corporate conglomerates hand over fist call steve at 541-410-0316 He's going to get you taken care of. And he's uh, got a 100% satisfaction guarantee, probably. Okay. A shout-out to the Samsung Q2U series. It's got crisp, clean audio quality. From Genesis to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when God speaks, he uses a Samson. I also want to give a shout out to Cuts by Q. I got to tell you, I felt like narcissist last night. I was I, to kind of, I guess we'll just lead into the story here. I went out to the laugh factory by myself, invited friends, but variety of either no responses or just like didn't see this until later, which I, I'm not upset. Like, whatever. I don't care. 
But like I texted him at like one o'clock. Didn't see this until later. Well, okay. The show was at seven. Anyways, so I went out. What I'm trying to say is I went by myself. Rachel was at a Darius Rucker concert. I don't, is Darius Rucker the guy who does Wagon Wheel? I don't know. We were, I was just talking about that. With, I was talking about Wagon Wheel with someone, uh, I think my uh, sister-in-law the other day. Um, <laughs> I, I can't even think of a Hootie and the Blowfish song. You and me are come from a different beat. There's nothing I can do. I only want to be with you. Is that Hootie and the Blowfish? I think so. I've never, like, gone on YouTube and searched for Hootie and the Blowfish. So I don't really know. Are they still a band, or does Darius Rucker just kind of do his own thing right now? TBD. I guess I can ask Rachel tonight when I see her making pasta. But so... To go all the way back to what I was originally saying, I wore my flowered shirt and uh, my nice kind of salmon-colored uh, shorts, and I was just admiring myself after a shower in the mirror. I was looking, I was looking fancy, man. Like I could have, I caught a, I could have hit up those Wrigleyville bars after uh after the show and just you know probably gotten a lot of free shots you know i had the 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 top two or three buttons undone i just i had my the hair had the flow it was just i was rocking it and that's all thanks to cuts by q okay so last thing here i go to the laugh factory last night i have not been to the laugh factory since i think very early 2020 so more or less a year and a half. It was, you know, pre, pre-COVID. And I'll say this. The Laugh Factory traditionally, for me at least, is very hit or miss. Like, I've gone enough times now. I've probably gone to the Laugh Factory seven or eight times in my life. And if you're wondering, well, if it's so hit or miss, why do you keep going back? Well, here's the thing. And it's strange I don't, I don't know their whole, you know, business strategy, marketing, you know, behind this, whatever. But you can go on Eventbrite, I think, any night of the week and get free tickets to the Laugh Factory. Like, if you go directly through their website, it will take you to Eventbrite. It'll be like 30 bucks for a ticket or something. Or you can literally just search Chicago Laugh Factory Eventbrite, pull it up from a Google result, and get a ticket for free on your phone. And that's what I've always done. It's been that way forever. Obviously, they know what they're doing. It's a two-drink minimum, and drinks are overpriced. So it's like, whatever. But, you know, I can go hang out, watch a 90-minute set with, you know, five or six stand-ups. And, you know, at the end of the day, bottom dollar, pay like 21 22 tax and tip, have a couple of glasses of wine. Although... <laughs> Last night for, I don't know if this is with COVID or, or they just had some, so there's a glass shortage on this part of town, but we were having, we were drinking our wine from paper cups, which I'm fairly confident relates to a death cab lyric somewhere down the line. Uh, is it uh, Grapevine Fires? Does Ben Gibbard mention something about wine from paper cups? Well, we'll look it up later. If you don't know the song, Grapevine Fires, check it out. Great drums, strong lyrics, as you might expect. Um, but you know, I can I can go there, watch, you know, stand ups, 
with low expectations, but, you know, watch them, have a couple of drinks, 21, 22 bucks, okay? Like, great, uh, even if it's not perfect, not amazing, like, that's a fine way to spend, uh, you know, a, a, a night if you're looking to just, like, hang out, okay? So I, I, I've been many times in the past, and it's usually pretty hit or miss. I've gone enough times now to where I know kind of the majority of the regular people who, who are there doing sets all the time. And actually, last night was uh, there were there was only one or two regulars there. Granted, I haven't been in a year and a half, so I don't have a great grasp on what a regular is at this at this you know comedy club. But it's just man, and here is kind of the thesis of what I'm trying to say here. It was weak, and usually when I go, I would describe it more as hit or miss rather than straight up weak. Last night was weak, man. There were, I think, six or seven acts, 10 minutes long each, which is not very long. And you, you can find comedians who will be like 10 minutes. Oh, typically new ones are like, oh, my God, that's so much time. How do I fill this time? And then you'll kind of have the more refined comedic personalities, like remind you of anyone uh we're 10 minutes and i'm being serious 10 minutes is not long like you want that to be tight i mean five minutes is kind of the classic but 10 minutes is not like you 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 need to be on you don't have you know when you're doing a 10 minute set you don't have that room you know you watch a like a, a netflix stand-up special or hulu whatever you know they all got them these days you know they're out they're an hour long which i was thinking about this last night because there's i'll get to this in a second someone actually has a special someone who's doing stand-up last night has a special on amazon prime and those are usually like 60 minutes which i think is like okay if this is a special specifically for a streaming platform 60 minutes is a long time um and i know that because i watch a lot of them and i you know even the great stand-ups they'll have you know like five or ten minute stretches where it's just like like they're still telling jokes but nothing is like that interesting or you know super well written or anything like it's just kind of okay whatever a little bit of time filler when you have a 10 minute set there shouldn't be any of that like i'm not saying you have to have just knee slap joke after knee slap joke but it should be pretty, like, let's move it along. You shouldn't have two minutes of, like, I'm in the audience completely zoned out thinking about something else because literally I haven't related to anything you said or, or you've said anything, you know, of note or anywhere close to hilarious in the last 90 seconds. Like, you just, you can't afford that. And I don't, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of sitting here in my my, you know, on my high horse and my glass house here. Um, but it, it was it, the, <laughs> and I hated this. I hate when you're not funny collectively as a, you know, a group of comedians and then the host comes back and he's like, boy, this, this crowd really sucks tonight. And it's like, well, as a crowd, we do suck. We also expect when you go to a name brand institution, like the laugh factory, that your comics are going to be, at least halfway decent. Here's an example. 
And at, at no point do I want to come across with this critique as being like, oh, yeah, I could do so much better. Stand-up comedy is really hard. It's not, you know, a supernatural thing. It's a, it's an art. It's a craft. And I haven't, myself, I haven't done many stand-up acts in the past. And I haven't, you know, ever been amazing at it. So I know it's hard. But, you know, if, if this was like open mic night at some dive bar in Wrigleyville, and this was the quality we were getting from what I saw last night, I'd be like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm here just hanging out. But this is the Laugh Factory. Like, this should be top-tier stand-up talent in Chicago, right? How many other, like, comedy clubs are there devoted specifically to stand-up? Because when you think of comedy, you think of Chicago, you think Second City, okay? That's improv. So when we're talking stand-up, like, Laugh Factory should be top-tier, okay? The girl, the, the woman, she's in her late 30s, and I just I was doing some Google searching to try to find more about her before I started recording. I don't actually recall her name, which is okay because I'm not really here to bash people or call people out. I'm just here to share about my experience. She was maybe third or fourth in a lineup of six or seven, and she leads with you know a whole minute about how she has a stand-up special on Amazon Prime Video, and that's why like she's a good comedian and so make sure we laugh and and clap a lot. So that that's the first minute of her 10 minute set is basically her telling us yeah, she's a really good comedian. It's like all right, kind of a strange way to to start set up. And I would actually I I wanted to I went back, I watched like a 3 minute thing of her on YouTube this after early before I started recording it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon right now. Just to see, like, was I in a bad mood last night? Was I grumpy, feeling lonely? Like, was I just not in the mood to laugh? So let me watch a three-minute clip, five-minute clip, whatever, when I've had my coffee, completely sober, I'm rested, whatever. Better mood, spirits are high. Nope, still not funny. I, I just, like, here, here's an example of a joke. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, that pretty much across the board, the comedians last night, and this is tends to be true at the Laugh Factory Chicago. Very, um, I guess the best word I can use is raunchy, but like unnecessarily raunchy. Just like if you're going to, anything should be able to be a tool or a weapon for you as a comedian, including cursing, including, you know highly adult sexual material like i i'm not i'm not approved i'm not like offended by that stuff but you should be able to use it as a comedic you know something a, a building block it shouldn't or a, a you know punchline it shouldn't be like oh fuck it like it just it's just you're always talking about it whatever this girl this this female comedian, I'm not even exaggerating. She's talking about, she just out of the blue mentions that indecent proposal, I'm just giving you a paraphrase of her joke here, 
and you're not missing anything, I promise. Indecent Proposal is one of her favorite movies. She likes to talk about or likes to watch it with her grandma. She's like, who here has seen Indecent Proposal? And, you know, it's a young crowd, so you get, like, a couple woos in the back. So then she spends the next 30 seconds describing the plot of Indecent Proposal and say, okay, whatever, like, maybe you should find a joke with a more relevant movie. Indecent Proposal, great movie. It's also 30 years old, and it's not... It's not like a you know instant classic that everyone watches, right? Good movie. It's you know worth watching, but it's not you know probably popular enough to make a joke around. Anyways, here's 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 her joke. After she's spent again wasted so much time talking about something that is just not terribly interesting from a comedic perspective, she's like, so I'm watching it with my friend the other week. And if you are listening to this, and I'm doing the same thing now that the comedian's doing, which just shows you how you need to find a better movie. Indecent Proposals, basically, Robert Redford offers Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore a million dollars for Redford to sleep with Demi Moore, and they agree to it, and then it ruins their marriage. Okay? See, I just summarized it in, like, eight seconds, and she spent four times that setting up this, quote, joke. Here's, here's her, and I say, quote, joke, and I mean it. She's talking, so she's like, I'm talking to my friend after we watch this movie. And my friend is like, would you suck a dick for $1 million? And I thought about it for a second. And I was like, yeah, I would. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's a joke. That, that's supposed to be a joke. And I'm just sitting in there, sitting in the audience watching this. And I'm like... You know, there's some very muffled laughter. It's just very uncomfortable. Like, that is that. So she keeps going. So she's going to try to lean into this harder. And then my friend is like, would you take it off the butt for a million dollars? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love that. And it, that's another joke. And it's just like, what? I How long did it take you to write this? Like, negative five seconds? And I got to tell you, that, like, I, I can't even say level of humor, level of comedy, that, like, structure, that lack of any sort of creativity uh, was pretty much representative of, of the entire night. The last two guys to go, uh, one guy, I, I, the, the penultimate guy, I thought his jokes were fine. Definitely multiple jokes that made me laugh. He was a he was a, a very good physical comedian, which was severely lacking from pretty much everyone else. And I, I'm someone who relies a lot on physical comedy, um, not necessarily when I'm like, or not only when I'm doing like comedic things, which doesn't happen much these days, but just, you know, life in general. It's just like, you know, very... Michael Richards, Jonathan Winters inspired, uh, you know, Sid Caesar. Like, it's just kind of what I do. It's part of my uh, being, if you will, what makes me a person. There just was almost none of that. And it's like, if you're, if you're going to eliminate that completely, and you don't have to be so exaggerated as, you know, some of those classics that I mentioned, but, you know, these are people who just like stand there like they're doing their fo- first open mic ever. And it's like, 
<laughs> a lot of them are also spent a lot, as you go so much time talking about like, oh yeah, I just got back from touring in Wisconsin or, you know, I was doing a California tour for the last two months. And it's like, man, you must really love what you're doing because there's no way with this quality of stand-up that you're giving us tonight presumably you know this is what you've been traveling with for the last month or whatever it is that you're making i mean you got to be losing money off of this right i don't know the last man to go and i can't find his name i was trying to find he was an african-american gentleman the other thing this show had six or seven comics he was the only non-white person everyone else was like extremely white like very purebred airy and white this is the only person who wasn't which is just like i don't know there's got to be a little bit more diversity in the comedy scene obviously it's a white rule sort of thing but like come on like give me something you know uh he was he was awesome he uh he's done some stuff with um presumably minor stuff but you know like i I think he's worked with dave Chappelle in the past and uh it certainly showed kind of his timing uh, his his topic, his subject matter is this guy was just like what you expect to see. And he wasn't like the greatest thing I've ever seen, but just solid, like 10 minutes tight, you know, like imagine you're watching, a, you know, Dave Chappelle do, do a stand-up for 10 minutes, just like well-written, very um, good at like kind of creating humor out of something that's not necessarily the joke. Which was just so lacking from everyone else. There was almost no, like, the the people themselves, regardless of what jokes they had, what they wrote, they weren't, like, funny people. Which I think is kind of important, right? If you're going to be a good stand-up comedian, you should be, like, a, you should be a funny person. I will say there's there's one, pretty much the only person there last night, last thing I'm going to say, I promise, um, who was more of a regular in my experience, which is obviously a very limited scope here, but she's this, she's this mom who's maybe, you know, I don't know, mid forties, something like that, short, overweight, white woman. And she, she's a little bit more what I just mentioned. Like she's a little bit more of a funny person compared to at least pretty much everyone else who was there last night. But here's the problem. I've seen her before which is not a problem at the laugh factory. Most times they go, she's, she's there doing a set. She was using the exact same material as the last time I saw her, which was at minimum 15, no more than that, like 18 months ago where she talks about her teenage sons, embarrassing them by, you know, dancing to Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, making pizza rolls. Like it's, it's not that bad, but just, like you don't have new material that you wrote during the pandemic that you can try out on us. I don't know. Like, what what were you doing the last eighteen months? I don't know, man. Really, uh, and I'll, I'll go back. It's not like oh yeah, I'm never going to go back because they do a variety of different shows. You know, maybe get some new blood in there, whatever. But. Uh, and I don't think I'm I'm being, you know, overly harsh of a critic. I think the uh, I think my feelings were generally validated by the uh, audience's reaction to some of the things I've just mentioned. But 
that was uh it wasn't like i had a bad friday night because of it and it's not like i felt like oh i wasted money on this whatever still something to do I haven't been in a year and a half but boy as as the 104th ranked comedy podcaster in pakistan i assume you know folks at the laugh factory are listening to this just uh there's got to be there's got to be better stand up talent out there right i think I don't know. QQ Daddy over here might have to, might have to get involved if uh, things don't turn around next time I go. I'm not saying I'm gonna, you know, start doing sets at the Laugh Factory, but we'll see. This went on longer than I thought because once I started talking about the Laugh Factory, because I didn't have anyone else to talk to about it, I did. I Facetime some friends last night and just, you know, briefly shared thoughts, but I don't have a lot of friends who are comedians. Or do like a you know comedy podcast or something like that. So this is my outlet to uh, just channel some frustrations. Anyways, it's a hard, hard uh, art, art, very difficult to do it well. And uh, I don't necessarily say think I could do better on the spot. But these are like these are people. This is their their gig, and you're at the Laugh Factory, like. I just thought it would be a little bit better. That's what I got for you. Sorry to end it on such a uh, fun and positive note, but I hope everyone is having a good week. We are in the uh, middle of July here. Some crazy weather across the country. You got flooding in New York. You got the heat wave in the Pacific Northwest. You got a hurricane in Florida. And here in Chicago, it's overcast and 70 and super high humidity. So you never know what you're going to get. This is the king of Pakistani comedy signing out. My name has been Quinn David Furness, and this is my show. Thank you for listening. We are on the road to 200, and I will check in on you next time. So stay safe, stay sane. We'll get that music going. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Peace out.